We're your hosts. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Kelsey. Florida natives for two decades. And true crime fanatics. Welcome to the chaos of sunshine and shadows. The Sunshine State earned her nickname in 1970, boasting over 800 miles of beaches and 1,500 miles of intercoastal waterways, 11 national parks, and over 8 of the top amusement parks. Florida is the perfect vacation spot to unwind, relax, and vacation with family and friends. Or is it? Florida has 67 counties, totaling a little over 40 million acres of land, broken up into six different regions, filled with swamps, farms, and many rural cities. On this podcast, we will take a look at the counties and their dark, seedy underbellies of crime and mystery, reminding everyone that you can't have sunshine without the shadows. On this season of Sunshine and Shadows, we will be focusing on the Sunshine State's infamous Northeast Florida region. These 20 mostly rural farm counties do bring forth several universities and state colleges in larger metropolitan areas. During this season, we will be examining these counties, exposing their dark, shadowy secrets in the pursuit of advocating for families and giving a voice to the voices. Join us on this journey to learn more about our home state on this season of Sunshine and Shadows. What is up, gremlins? Hey, humans. How are you guys doing? (laughs) It's been rough out there, we know. (laughs) Everyone make sure you're prepared for the hurricane that's coming on Wednesday, Thursday. I don't even think it's going to hit us, but it's going for Tampa. I heard Sam's is out of water already. (sighs) Which we would like to reiterate. Please stop sending your grandparents here. <laughs> Please. Oh my god. It's a, like and I'm not saying a category two is not bad. But it's only gonna it's only predicted to be a category two at landfall. Correct. And then we're inland, so like it's gonna By the time it gets to us it's gonna be some rain. Which is it's like, gonna rain. <laughs> which is what our what, our three o'clock every every day. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't know, I'm not too worried, but I know a lot of people, it's their first storm, so it's always cute when it's their first storm. It's like their first love bug season. <laughs> and they think, like, love bugs bite. I once told a group of tourists that once. Stop it. It was great. Don't let them get you. Yeah, so they bite. <laughs> They're poisonous if they land on you. Stop it. It's Me natural girl. selection. If you believe that, then I don't know. I can't help you. It's natural selection. We need more of that. So, we're in Duval County. We're in Duval. Duval. So, <laughs> so anyone that's not from Florida, that is what Duval is famous for because it hosts one of Florida's many professional football teams, and that would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. <sighs> I'm not a Jags fan. I do feel really bad for their fans, though. I pity you. I take pity on a poor, sad soul. Jacksonville has come so close, yet so far, so many times. Yeah, I do feel like people do forget that Jacksonville is the youngest national football league team. They only formed in, like, 1997 or 1999. Oh, dang. So they're like babies. So we suck for a reason. I would like to see what the Chicago Bears' reason is. (laughs) Good night. And then we do, I guess in Florida it's nice because, you know, if you aren't a Jags fan and like you can go and be a Tampa Bay Bucks fan and I feel like. Or you can go Miami Dolphins, I don't know. Pick oh, one. I forgot about that. You got <laughs> three. three. Yeah. <laughs> Take a pick. 
<laughs> wherever you're regionally close to, go ahead and pick that team. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, because I feel like you can't say Duval without saying it that way. Um, so Duval is located in the northeast part of the state. Literally the only thing between Duval County and the state of Georgia is a county called Nassau. <laughs> <laughs> so almost out of Florida, but not quite quite yet. Close, but no cigar. So <laughs> Duval County was established in 1822 and is named for William Pope Duval, governor of Florida Territory from 1822 to 1834, before I'm sure some common cold took him out. Um, <laughs> so huge shocker. Are you ready for this information? So this area had been settled by varying tribes of indigenous people for thousands of years before any European contact. According to archaeologists, they have been able to um, spend time excavating the, and I apologize for my pronunciation, Tecumen... Cumin Ecological and Historical Preserve, and they discovered that some of the oldest pottery on record in the United States. Girl, we're talking 2500 BCE. Oh. And I was like, oh, we fancy. We got it. But stop coming to Florida. <laughs> so before the colonizers arrived and most of the area was most of the area was controlled by the McCohen tribe. Again, sorry for the pronunciation. This tribe, this tribe spoke Tecumen, and was known for inhabiting the coastal areas of Florida. Once the colonizers arrived, it was controlled by the Satterwi tribe, and it and they are known for being one of the most powerful tribes in the region. So, not the Seminole Indians. Um, and as of a 2020 census, population went from about... 800,064 people to 995,000 people. So again, we ask, stop moving to Florida, please. Jacksonville doesn't have a million people yet. Not yet. Close, close but no cigar. Just like their, just like their football team. 2017. (laughs) So, um, so a little geography for you, since I feel like that might be like my main talking point for county intros. Um, we're going to refer to this as our Lewis and Clark segment. <laughs> Duval County has an area of 918 square miles of space. So 762 miles are land-based with another 156 miles comprised of water. And hold on, because I had to include this quote. The topography is coastal plain. However, there are some rolling hills. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a hill in jacksonville maybe they're counting like the bridges as hills. <laughs> that's a real big man-made hill <laughs> so shout out to duval because i'm nominating duval for our first non-pick me girl county um yeah okay yeah i will give you that let's say newberry did pretty good but it's not a county so so i want to say like because that was their one blurb that they wanted to give a shout out to themselves for their topography was coastal plain with hills <laughs> Okay. Are they counting like the dunes at the beaches maybe? I don't know. (laughs) Counting the skyscrapers. (laughs) So that is beautiful Duval. So we're going to land in Mayport, Florida. So Mayport, Florida, which became incorporated through legislative action in June of 1909. So if you're saying to yourself, um... Why does Mayport sound so familiar? It's because it has a big-ass naval station there. But it's a secret. <laughs> Not no more. <laughs> um, so called, are you ready for it? Naval station, Mayport. 
It's a lot. It's a big secret we got there. <laughs> the naval base is closed to public access and contains a protected harbor and airfield. So don't go sniffing around. You're going you're gonna to get caught. Um, <laughs> it has grown to become the third largest naval surface fleet concentration in the United States. Uh, I'm going to stop there before we get a cease and desist letter from the United States government. <laughs> Come at me, bro. So Mayport is a small, it's just a baby, community <laughs> located between the Naval Station and the beautiful St. John's River. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Literally, okay. The St. John's River is the most disgusting. I wouldn't even put a toe in it. They're trying. I think they have sharks in there. Yes. And I saw one thing once that there's like an alligator like every so many feet within the St. John's, which I mean, there's alligators everywhere in Florida, but I was like in the water is like darker than dirty dishwater. Yeah. It's like really murky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're not going to. You don't know if it's going to be a shark or a gator. <laughs> pretty, pretty shot. Could but for. Could be a what? It could be a fish. It could be an alligator guard too. Oh, good Lord. If you want nightmares, um, pause the podcast and go look up Alligator Gar. Oh, those things terrify me. <laughs> and this is why you want some Santa Fe River. Lake. No. Santa Fe Lake. So, you would honestly probably consider Mayport, like if you're looking at it on a map, you would definitely consider it part of the Jacksonville Beach area, but it belongs to Duval. So, um, with that being said, and the government not shutting us down... No knock at the door. Uh, let's jump into this case because it gets batshit crazy so fucking fast. And as always, please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Here we go. Woo. So the this man named himself. <laughs> I would you like to share your feelings on serial I killers? I have a gripe with serial killers who name themselves. <laughs> you already were not cool. But to think that you had to name yourself makes you exceptionally less cool. Also, I would like to argue that some of the quote-unquote most infamous, I don't really want to call them the best because they shouldn't have been good at what they're doing. They're the best of the worst. (laughs) Yeah, they don't have names. Like Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy. We call them by their names. Yes. So if you got to name yourself, you're a bitch. (laughs) She's talking to you, Zodiac Killer. Oh, my God. And BTK. <laughs> born to kill. Okay. You have a bone to pick with. <laughs> I really do. Dennis. <laughs> I always forget his name is Dennis. So, he has named himself the Mayport Monster. Hmm. And, um, not gonna, do, do a little cray-cray. Gonna come out and say that, so... We're chilling in the Mayport community. It's a beautiful Friday night. And a cook from Melanie's Kitchen and Oyster Bar, still open, um, had been working late and decided to walk across the street from the restaurant to the house to take a shower. Um, Brian Lucas then returned to the restaurant visibly shaking. Upon entering the home where he was going to go take a shower, he smelled an odor, which caused him to exit the house and return to his place of employment. This is when a call is placed to the police, and a 12-hour standoff begins. At 12.30 a.m. on Saturday, the police are called to the scene of a five-year-old fabricated home, 
You want to you put that in layman's terms for people who may not know what a fabricated It's home. a trailer. <laughs> but a very nice trailer. It was, uh, it was only five years old. In what year? It says they were called to the scene of a five-year-old fabricated home, but it um, no, quickly... No, what year was this happening? I want to say it was 2003. Oh, so it's a 90s trailer. That's not a nice trailer. <laughs> we got the weird, like, <gasps> blue walls and or pink walls and blue carpet. Oh, God, they did. Raggedy. And- do you remember when they had that dark green carpet? Oh, my God. I get PTSD <laughs> from these things. Probably a single wide, too. So they get to the property, and their guns blazing, as most law enforcement likes to do. And then they're like, hold up. Wait a minute. Back it up. So they quickly aborted the prop, the aborted um, barging into the house because the gentleman there, Mr. William Wells, threatened to unalive himself. So then they're like, whoop, we'll take it nice and slow. So... <laughs> Let's temporarily put the standoff on the back burner for a missing persons report. On Saturday, during the standoff, um, enrolls a missing persons report for a Bill McCain's, who is the father of Irene Wells. Do you see some matching last names there? So, back to the standoff. A man, um, the man calls in, so, sorry, Lieutenant Kaufman calls the man in the house and through the use of a remote-controlled robot, was able to deliver pizza, soda, electronics, and this one's fun, flowers. Hmm. Not flour to bake, because that's what I thought. I was like, what, he got a pizza to see if he could, like, copycat the pizza and make his own pizza flour? No, flowers, like, I love you, I thought of you, I got these from the grocery store. Or, like, I messed up flowers. (laughs) That's Um, interesting. To the home. And if you're curious... As to why they haven't stormed into the house yet, because this man's clearly unhinged when he wants flowers and pizza, it is because Wells has his four-year-old son in the home. And you're like, okay. All right, whatever. Hold that thought. So we roll into Sunday, and at 12.20 a.m., Wells finally surrenders and releases the boy unharmed. Wells then tells the police he's overdosing on drugs and is rushed to Shan's hospital for observation. Okay. Kind of think. Do you think when they send these people for observation, they tell these nurses who they're observing? Or do they just like strap them to the bed and be like, hey, that's just a crazy dude. Don't go near him. I don't think, like, I think they can, like, they obviously know if the police bring them in, they're brought in from something but i don't know if they're like told explicitly like hey that on the news is this dude like i don't that's terrifying i'd be kind of mad nobody told me that i mean yes and no but i also think about like what if there was like like you wouldn't want the doctors to make a decision and judge somebody like like say you bring in say you bring in a cop and there was a shootout and all you hear is there's a shootout and you have a shot police officer and you have the shooter who was shot you want, you obviously want the medical professionals to try and save both of them with equal gusto. Yeah, so. I mean, unless you're an organ donor, then you're fucked. But <laughs> we'll get into that one. I'm an organ donor, so I can talk <laughs> Me shit. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, so they take him off for observation. We're gonna check on check on him. So then, um, a police officer is like, "This is a funny smell. I wonder what it's from." I'm going to skedaddle into the house. <laughs> so upon entering the house, entering the mobile home, sorry, entering the mobile home. And the reason we're stressing the mobile home is because the next part is really important. So they realize why there was an odor. The odor was coming from 
five different bodies all throughout the mobile home. Man, it was busy. So do you want to explain the insulation um, on a mobile home? There is none. <laughs> so, um, punch a hole through the wall and hit the metal siding. And Kelsey, some of the bodies had been there for 11 days. My poor kid. So he murdered five different people over the 11 days leading up to this Memorial Day weekend. 11 days. Just vibing with the bodies. And like, according to reports, the kids were there. Kids? Kids. Yes, plural. We're going to get into that. So, So I found an article where it was noted that he sent his stepdaughter away to her grandmother's house, but kept the little kid in the house because it was his. I mean... I would never be so happy to be a stepdaughter a day in my fucking life. <laughs> um, and so there was like kind of like conflicting reports of when he sent her away. But one report said it was after he had taken and murdered one person. And some said it was before, like a couple hours before. And then wouldn't let her come back. Okay. Well, well we're fine. I'll leave. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> yeah, peace out. But it um, said they didn't get along anyway, so it was kind of like a, I think. Can't imagine why. <laughs> um, so in the house, they found Irene Wells, which was the girl's mother. Oh. William's wife, even though they were separated at the time, he decided to go to the home and try and reconcile their relationship. Wait, so this is not even his house? No, this is her house. This is her trailer. That dickhead. Yep. So he said that they were trying to reconcile the relationship and he claims that they were joking around with what he believed to be an unloaded gun again according to him irene said something along the lines of what are you gonna do now and then according to his 2003 phone call with first coast news i stuck it to the back of her head and said this and i pulled the trigger and it went off i literally defecated in my pants I watched her face spray against the wall in front of me, and she fell over, end quote. He called the news? In 2003, yeah. An unloaded gun. No, there's a weight difference. Like, what the actual fuck? Also, 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 Caitlin, I love you to death, and I trust you with my life. You are never putting a gun to the back of my head. No! (laughs) To think... That you would let somebody do that? I think he, again, this is all his point of view because we don't have hers. I don't think they were getting back together. I don't think they're getting back together either. either. And I don't think Miss Girl let him put the gun back there willingly. Because I'd be like BFFR, be fucking for real. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I think he was probably like, I want to see my kid. And she was probably like, okay. Like, I feel like something more along those lines happened. Yeah, okay, and that probably makes sense, too. I don't think he was willing, like, she was willingly wanting to see him. He probably, like, did the whole, like, oh, I want to see my children, like you were saying. That makes sense. I definitely don't think, I don't think she would have joked back. Like, I don't, one, she's left him. So, obviously, there's something there. Mm-hmm. Not letting, I'm not letting an ex pick up a weapon around me. That's just me. I'm not letting my damn mother pick up a weapon around <laughs> me. Like, so... I was like, what the fuck? Because he called into the news. Like, he loved to do this. This was like his thing. 
So this man goes on to claim that it all snowballed after that. It snowballed, in, in fact, so much that he ended up killing four more people. It's a really big snowball. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like that analogy. Once it starts rolling, it don't stop. So it gets crazier. Um, he kept his four-year-old son with him for the entire 11-day ordeal. Like, start to finish. That's mortifying. Terrifying. Um, so it's unclear which family member came by first, Irene's brother or her father. But they stopped by the house um, because they hadn't heard from Irene. And they're like, what's good? Um, so they came over. And they saw Irene dead, and they became enraged, and then Williams, in self-defense, killed them. I mean, I'd be pretty pissed off, too. I, I came there, and you're just laying on the floor. I might get a little bad. <laughs> I don't know. I, so, they end up not giving him the self-defense. He doesn't get to take the self-defense route. <laughs> like, yeah, they brought a knife to a gunfight, so I don't think it's self-defense. So, we have Irene... We have her brother and her father now. So okay. we have three people in the house. Feels like a great time to stop and be like, oh no, I need to stop what I put in motion. No. So then Williams calls over a man named Reese, who Williams adamantly claims was sleeping with his wife. Under the premise that he wants to smoke weed with Reese in his ex-wife's house. Or separated wife's house. Reese gets there and then he shot him. Could you imagine getting that phone call, though? And I'm not saying anything bad about Reese. May he rest in peace. <laughs> if your name-redacted ex-husband called your name-redacted future boyfriend <laughs> and said, Hey, I'm at Caitlin's house. My first response would be like, Why the fuck are you there? Right? So I do not believe this weed story. I think he purposely got him over there. He probably said something, and he was like, all right, why the fuck are you at my girlfriend's house? Mm -hmm. She doesn't want you there. Oh, yeah. Which furthers our point that she did not go. What are you going to do about it? Oh, yeah. No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So then we're not done. So the fifth and final victim was a, a gentleman named James Young, and he was killed over a possible drug deal or mix-up of drugs. Was he a known drug dealer? Eh. Okay. You know, like, you know those people that usually always have a little bit of extra on them that you can mm -hmm. be like, hey, I've been drinking and I want to smoke now and get crossfaded. Like, you got some and then you, you know, like, they always have a little bit. But I don't think he was like a kingpin godfather <laughs> kind of drug dealer. Okay, cool. So, crazy, right? So, this um, doesn't end there, right? So, we're <laughs> not even done. This man's not done. So um, he goes on to plead guilty and forego a trial. He then mocked the justice system for only giving him five life sentences. And his reign of terror doesn't end. Because guess what the district attorney decided to do? The state's attorney's office decided to do. Do you think they gave him the death penalty, Kelsey? It's the state's attorney's office. No. No, they didn't. So <laughs> they, um, it's okay. At least I'm public with my hatred. So they send him down to Miami-Dade Correctional Institution, which, like, I was shocked. I thought we only had prisons in Rayford. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, like, I know we have, like, county jails and stuff, mm -hmm. but, like... We have uh, another really big one right outside Ocala. 
completely didn't know about that until this case. So look, I'm learning about my state. I feel like I could, I should redo my Florida state presentation. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the only reason we know about Rayford is because Ted Bundy. Yes. And because we live near it. So. Yes. Well, not near Rayford. Rayford's like way, way far away from us. So don't come looking for us. So he's chilling in the Miami-Dade Correction Institution. And we're all the way in 2008. So from 2003 to 2008, we got nothing, right? And then all of a sudden, he attempted to murder another inmate. And in his statement, he said he was on a mission for the death penalty. Bro, why did you take the fucking plea deal with five life sentences? You know, I feel like sometimes they do this because they don't realize how awful it is to sit in a six-by-six cell for the rest of their lives. I mean, you know, play stupid games, get stupid prizes. Murder people, go to jail. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, but if I killed somebody, I want the death sentence, too. Yeah, like... I'm not going to sit here. What am I going to my thumbs? Like, you're not getting out. You have no chance of parole. Like, and that's the thing. He had no chance of parole. Like... Yeah, no. I'd probably be like, all right. But on the other hand, I definitely think he's somebody that should have no chances of parole. I just personally couldn't live that life. Mm-mm. I couldn't. I don't think I could. I don't think I could live in a cell. I don't think I could. So like, I'd be like, all right, no plea deal. Can I? Can I I'll take my sentence. Like, yeah. Like, like, can you? Um... But that's why I would never commit a crime in Florida because they don't like to handle the death penalty. <laughs> you know, we're one of the only few death penalty states left. We do not. We don't like giving it, but we could. I there know. are other states where it's not even a possibility. That is true. So, still mad at you. District Attorney, State's Attorney's Office. Always. Um, so, if you're keeping track on your cute little tally sheet, we're now up to, that would be his sixth murder. Mm-hmm. I did have a question, though. Um, and I know we're going to backtrack a little bit, and I'm sorry. So, the stepdaughter was there when he first started killing people. At what point was she sent away? And wasn't she, like, 12? She was older, yes. So, that was where the conflicting articles came in. Okay. So, one article said she... Like, she was sent away before he got there, and then one went as soon as he got there. But the same day that he got there is the same day that he shot Irene. So, it was it was conflicting because one said she had no idea. The other one said she had a bad feeling. So, okay, I feel like because she was older, I think she was sent away. Like, I think her mom sent her before he got there. Yeah. Okay, um, and just, yeah, I guess that would make sense to what you said. Like, he's just coming to see his son, so there's no reason she should be there. So I think maybe, like, the mom might have called and been like, hey, can you come get her? And then he was there. Maybe, like, they overlapped for five minutes while she was leaving, and that's why it was like he sent her away, but... Okay, cool. I don't think she was there when it happened. Okay. But she was there the day that it happened and just... Yeah, just, you know... She didn't have to be there to see all that. All right, that makes sense. I was just, you know, we kind of mentioned her, and then I was like, wait, where'd she go? She, she's at shit grimmels. Okay. So we're up to six life sentences. So they decide to move him out of the Miami-Dade Correctional Institution, and they move him to the Florida State Prison in Rayford, Rayford. where in 2011, he earns a seven life sentence for murdering a fellow inmate named Xavier Rodriguez in the Florida State Prison. However, there's some drama with this one. Okay. So another inmate by the name of Wayne Dottie, and you might be saying, why does that name sound so familiar? We'll get to him. 
pin him. Um, Wayne Dottie was charged as an accomplice in the Xavier Rodriguez um, murder. However, he decided to speak out, calling Williams the, quote, Mayport coward, end quote. He goes on to say that he refuses to let a coward like Williams piggyback his repu- on his reputation and the capability to kill for his showbiz intent. So, this is a rumor, so we're going to pop into the rumor mill. Apparently, this man, Williams, the Mayport monster, was trying to pitch a, like, show, like, movie type thing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what they give the vibes off, this Wayne guy in, um, I'm not going to call him the Mayport monster. What's his name? Wells. Yeah. William Um, Wells. They, like, give off the vibe of, like, you know, like, a boy band that breaks up and then they hate each other. And they just start talking bad about each other. <laughs> well, he never sang any of the solos. He never sang any of the solos. It was a ghost singer. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh. Very weird public knowledge now. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> it, it kind of feels like that because... Um, Dottie, Wayne Dottie went on to like do a couple of news articles where he was like, he's a fraidy cat. He couldn't do anything. He's a fraidy cat. Yeah, he literally said he's a scaredy cat and he like got queasy at the sight of blood. And I was like, um, I don't think you like vibe in a house. With five dead people? For 11 days. If blood makes you queasy. Oh, so, and right around, oh. Oh, yeah, and, and remember, this is Memorial Day. I say it's May. Yeah. It's hot. Yeah. No. Yeah, so, like, part of me is, like, mm, okay. So, this isn't over yet. <laughs> um, In 2019, this asshole, yet again, murders another inmate, 32-year-old William Chapman, who was just months away from his release date inside the Florida State Prison. So when he... Yeah, I see your face. Okay, so we just have these, like, murderers around, like, other criminals? Yep. In the same vicinity. Like, we don't have, like, a murderer for vicinity? A murderer and, like, rapist? I feel like that should be a thing. We put the murderers and the rapists in the same place. Hell. pedophiles. Yeah. Hell. And then, like, natural selection. Yeah. Good luck. Best of luck. We will only be here from, like, <laughs> 8 to 2. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I'll come in at 10 tomorrow. It's the hierarchy. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. You got this. So, I think it was super interesting that he has the incident in the Miami Dade Correctional Facility, and they move him. They're like, nah, we're done, fam. Florida keeps him. Well, I kind of feel like Rafer is kind of, like, Bunch of hillbilly fucks who don't really give a shit. And, like, they'll just put up with it. We know a couple of corrections officers, so... And also, um, just to go out on a limb here, I'm going to go with, like, the levels of funding from Miami-Dade to Rayford. Might be a little bit different. Which, I guess, like, my... Might have a little bit more training down in Miami. Which is why I was kind of like, you know, he killed somebody in Rayford. Why not bounce him to the one in Ocala? Like, why did we leave him? Because, like, 
here's my thought process. He's already established himself in a hierarchy. He's willing to take somebody else's life in prison. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm an inmate in there, like, I'm terrified. If he tells me to, like, give him my honey bun, I'm giving him my honey bun. Like, you've murdered somebody, like, and the inmates are actively talking about it still. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, I feel like you've created a larger problem for yourself. Yeah, but maybe it's the problem he wants to have. This dude wants recognition. True. He literally sets the stage himself by calling the news. Not that he didn't had anybody else to call, but he chose to call the news. I like I sometimes wish the news when like these type of people would call in would make it almost like a comedy segment. Oh, that'd be so funny. Yeah, it's so, like they think they're getting all this recognition on the news, but it's literally everybody laughing at them. Yeah, but I do think for these type of people that they just any recognition is good recognition. So they don't care if you're laughing or not. You're still saying their name. We're still calling him by his made-up nickname, Mr. Wells. The coward. We can call him the Mayport coward. The Mayport Frady Cat. (laughs) The Mayport Frady Cat. So in 2019, he murdered um, another inmate. Um, He wasn't alone for this one. Indicted with him. So the past, so he did one by himself in Miami. The first one in the Miami State Prison, he had... Um, Wayne Dottie and now in this second um, Florida State Prison murder he um, was indicted along with Leo Boatman do you remember that name Leo Boatman was serving time for murdering two Santa Fe college students in 2006 yep damn Mm -hmm. so I just want to read you a statement from an article that First Coast News posted. A state employee who saw a video of the attack says it was brutal. The two subjects had Chapman up against the door stabbing him. A state employee who saw a video of the attack said that officers could not gain access to the room fast enough. Wells was strangling him and they were constantly stabbing him, stabbing him, stabbing him, stabbing him. The video was so gruesome. It was like something you see in a horror movie. Who's recording? Oh, they have security cameras. What you mean they can't get into the room? That doesn't what? I feel like there should be a button in prisons that I can get anywhere I need to at any given moment. No. Like, if you can lock it down, you should, like... Be able to unlock it. The fact that they couldn't get to him, like, if they could have gotten to him sooner... Maybe they could have saved his life. Yeah. So, and then, like, which is insane. So, at the time of this podcast, so we are in 2022. But, okay, so the the guys who were, because now that we're talking about it, I'm sorry, I'm noticing a trend. So, the people that he is murdering in prison are just about to get out. They're about to leave. Correct. His fellow inmate, Xavier Rodriguez, I don't believe was getting out soon-ish. I think he still had a little bit of time left. But there were still people who were going to leave, and he was not. Correct. Oh, so he's jealous. Okay. Oh, he's just a jealous little baby. Yeah. Jealousy, jealousy. <laughs> so here's what I think is super interesting. So the one down in Miami-Dade, we did solo, right? We get to Florida the Florida one in Rayford, and we're back to being doubles. So he did the first one with the Wayne Dottie guy, and then he did the second one with Lee Boatman. 
Do you think maybe there's, like, I mean, we talked about a prison hierarchy. Do you think, like, maybe down in, like, Miami, like, he was kind of, like, a nobody? Like, because, I mean, honestly. Maybe he didn't have notoriety because they didn't know where, like, Jacksonville, Mayport, like. They knew where Jacksonville was, but Mayport's, like, tiny. Right? Like, if, and you got to think, like, most people who are criminals, unfortunately, they are criminals because they have a lack of education, so they're not usually the brightest of people. Because, you know, that's how we feed the system. Prison to pipeline system, yeah. Exactly. Um, so these are people who don't really know a lot. Sorry, so... schools to prison pipeline. Sorry. Ooh, jumbled those words. <laughs> but these are people who don't really know a lot. So, like, you got to think, like, if you're talking to somebody who most likely didn't make it past eighth grade year, and you're talking to them about Mayport. And also, do you think maybe he figured that, like, well, if they get kicked out of Miami, they'll send me back where, like, I'm close to people? That's kind of what I was thinking about. Like, maybe he had, like, because, you know, these people that have any little bit of notoriety, the unstable females clamor to them. Ugh. And you know, the craziest thing is those women are usually brilliant. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. For oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, shooketh. PhD level brilliant. Shooketh. So, I... I was thinking, and again, there was nothing for it to be reported on, so this is just speculation, that maybe he did to come back this way. And then I guess he figured if he either landed in Ocala or Jackson or Rayford that that was closer to Jacksonville for someone to commute. Okay. All right. That was the only thought process. And then I don't understand the first or second murder. So, like, they didn't report on, like... Was there an incident where, like, trash talk was happening? Did somebody steal something? But, like, there was nothing on that. You know, they really don't pay too much mind to stuff like that. So, I mean, that was really all I could find out about it. But Mm -hmm. that was kind of, like, interesting to me that, like, the prison guards couldn't access the room. What room were they in? It could have been, like, in the kitchen or the laundry room. You know, rooms that have, like, small access points. So if you block off an access point... Because do they have cameras in their cells? Maybe, but would they put three people in a cell? I thought you only put two in a cell. I think you only put two in a cell, especially for one dude. Again, this goes to my lack of knowledge of the prison system, but I would assume that if I have this one dude and he's about to get out, I don't think I'm going to put him in the same cell with two murderers. I wouldn't even have them in the same cell. I wouldn't even put the murderers in the same cell because I don't need them getting groupthink and thinking together. Yeah, word. Y'all here, y'all here. Yeah. And I'll put some petty criminals in between you guys. People who have enough moral compass that they will not murder somebody. Down the line. There you go. But also, my kind of thought process is, is like, like you said, all the murderers and rapists and pedophiles, put them in one block. Let. Yeah. Let some group think happen there. But I would think, if I had to give a, a wondering of what could have happened, I don't think it would have been a jail cell. I think they probably got him somewhere like, you know, like laundry room or something or like a kitchen to where like they only have like one entrance because, you know, they don't have multiple exits in these places because they're trying to track where everybody's at at all time. And they just blocked the door. And unfortunately, if you think about two people stabbing one guy, it doesn't take that much. And stabbing is such like when you have the adrenaline, it's such an, a quick, like, in and out, in and out, in and out, 
that it's not something that takes a lot of time. And if they have him pinned against the wall, they're stabbing him from chest down. So they're hitting everything they need to hit as quickly as they can. And if there's two of them, like, I don't know if this dude even stood a fair chance the second they locked him in that room. Agreed. Well, it definitely wasn't a fair chance. It's a two-on-one fight. It's never fair. Never fair. I don't like it when it's not fair. So, we do have some related information. Okay. Um, the then state attorney, Harry Shortsine, has defended the decision to not pursue the death penalty back in the original case. Um, citing the wishes of the victim's families and that Wells' sanity was questionable. If it's questionable, why isn't he in... Solitary confinement? An institution. Put him in a block by himself. Yeah. No, okay, see, that. I guess that's my... You have to go to time out. You cannot follow the rules and be a good friend. Time out. I guess that's my... Um, I have a lot of hot takes. But my one hot take... I'm debating if I actually want to say it. Do you want me to read the second part of the statement? Yeah. So um, he went on to say that it's a case that looking at the facts warrants not seeking the death penalty. But given the consider, or sorry, that it warrants seeking the death penalty, but given the consideration to other factors being the legal factors as well as the wishes of the family and um, an offer to plead guilty to have the case of disposed very, very quickly. It did not warrant the death penalty. Okay, so actually I think I'm going to say it because I think there are levels to not being sane. So I think when, like, when I think about it on a scale, I don't feel like insanity is always... You shouldn't be able to escape the death penalty because of insanity in some extent. Like if you're like insane in the fact that like you don't really know what's going on, you li- like you're schizophrenic, you live in a make-believe world, like whatever it is. This dude consciously stayed in this house. Mm-hmm. Not only did he do that, he kept his son. Mm-hmm. He ordered pizza. Mm-hmm. He's feeding this kid the whole time. Yeah, feeding this kid. There's bodies. And it's not even that I think he wasn't aware i just think his general lack for caring for people is on the floor like i don't think he has any care for anybody else but himself like he would be a threat to society if released and if you think about it like it's disturbing when you actually think about the fact that he asked for flowers flowers for what morning are you going to give them flowers because you killed them what are the flowers for I personally want to ask for some Febreze, but that is me. Yeah, I mean, flowers ain't going to do nothing for the smell. But, I don't know. He's not sane enough to be put to death. I think he is. I think if you wanted to plead mentally unstable, you had to stop at one and be like, no, nah, we're done. But the fact that it continued... Yeah, it kept escalating. And then again, his claim was, oh, I just couldn't stop. No. Because to go against the mental... He called the ex-boyfriend to come over. And the other men. And the, quote-unquote, possibly a drug dealer. I'm not going to call this dude a drug dealer because we only have one confirmed, and it's from Mr. Wells himself. So he might be calling the dude a drug dealer, and the dude's never sold drugs a day in his life. I'm not going to say anything about a man who's dead. 
But there is a level of sanity to call somebody over to your house where you know you have three other dead people in there. Yes, because at this point, yeah, there's three confirmed kills. There's a level of sanity there. Those those are conscious decisions. And you cannot think at any point that they're going to walk in and be like, oh, there's a dead body here. Okay, cool. I'm going to chill. And so, like, on that thought process, the fact that he did call Reese, even, like, what you said, like, if Redacted called Redacted and was like, I'm at Kate's house, like, there has to be, I feel like, a level of calm in his voice that, I guess, Reese didn't feel the need to call somebody else and be like, hey, something's up. If you don't hear from me, do something. Mm -hmm. Like, there, there was none of that so like I feel like there has to be he had to come across as some sort of sane and in control for that to like for him to have even gone over there or he didn't at all I mean he I don't know speculation but he could have called him saying that like I have her here at gunpoint and dude rushed in to or maybe he was just going to the house. I don't know. I just think that statement is BS. I think there's a level of sanity to everything that he has done. I think he's he was organized. It's too organized. I like I don't even believe the first part. Like I think there's a level like maybe the only thing he didn't plan for was her dad and her brother. But I fully think he intended to kill her and Reese. Like, there's not a doubt in my mind. Like, in his mind, they were together, and that's the reason he couldn't get back with her. Because he wanted to claim that they were going to reconcile. Nah. She got her own place. She got her own bills. Nah. Yeah. I don't know. He might have planned to kill her father and her brother. Because you got to think about it. Like, if I was here and my redacted crazy ex-boyfriend showed up when I'm dating somebody else... I'd probably say to them, oh, you, like, please don't stay for long. Like, my dad's on the way or, like, my brother's on the way. Like, somebody's oh, yeah. coming here to see me. GTFO. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta go. Solidly, you probably wouldn't even open the front door, though. Yeah. No, I would not. But I, I don't know. I just feel like this case leaves a lot of, like, you can speculate. Oh, you could go down a rabbit hole. And you don't go down a rabbit hole, but this man is completely sane. He did this with the sane state of mind. So I think that that is kind of the state's attorney's way of absolving himself of any, like, guilt. guilt. <laughs> do they feel guilt? I think the good ones do. I don't believe if you get to the state's attorney's office, you're still a good one. It just, it kind of, like I get, as the state, you have to argue a case against somebody. But I'm also a firm believer that we have a constitution. The defense has just as much right to evidence as the state does. Mm-hmm. And I feel like oftentimes we see, I mean, even with the, um, oh gosh, I'm going to say his name wrong. He was on the serial podcast. Adnan. Adnan. Even in that, there was a Brady violation. Mm-hmm. Like, let's pause for a second. We should not be having Brady violations at this point in our legal system. It's cause, yeah, it's because the legal system, as we know, it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And so, like, I guess that's the frustrating part is at the end of the day, you're presenting to a group of your peers. And if one person has a leg up on the other person because they have 
information that they didn't legally share, which they're obligated to do so, it's, again, it's not a fair fight. I'm all for fighting. Like, duke it out. But, like, yeah. it needs to be a fair fight. I mean, and there's also biases that come, like, even beyond evidence. Like, with the Parkland shooter one that just happened. Granted, what the defense did was wrong. The defense already knew their case had to end that day. So they came into the court that morning and ran it to 930, stalling and stalling and stalling. At no point should the judge have lost her mind like that. That is completely unwarranted because now the jury's tainted. And not that. He Wait, didn't do it. I thought she had the jury take him out. He, no, the jury was in the room for the very first beginning of her rant, and then the jury exits. So they were in there for the beginning of that, whenever she like launches into the defense of saying how unprofessional they are. And, and again, I'm not defending him because what he did is an abomination. He is an awful human being. Yeah, we're just talking about the actions of the attorneys. But the as you said, every person deserves the right to a fair trial. Yes. And they deserve unbiased thoughts about them. you got to think how hard that jury was to find. Oh, yeah. Like, because, I mean, for everybody should know this, but if you don't know this, juries are, like, jurors, you're supposed to not know the case. Correct. You're supposed to be completely oblivious so you don't go in there with any, like, you know. And if you do, if it comes out that you did happen to know about the case prior to it, you know, going through the court system, you can completely ruin the, like, the ruling and it has to restart all over again. Correct. And then that's when double jeopardy can come into play, too. Exactly. So you can completely mess up a case. Dude, so attorneys that work in Amish country are like, yes. I know. They're like, I know you don't know nothing. Come on. Come on. Come on. Bring the horse and buggy. <laughs> Bring the horse and buggy. Come on. Come on. Your Honor, I know he don't know nothing because he came here on a horse. <laughs> We're good. I just, I think they were unprofessional. Mm-hmm. I do. Absolutely acknowledging that. But I think, to me, I almost feel like they're throwing the case. It's so, an impossible case. Hear me out. It's an impossible for case. For the Parkland shooter? Yeah. But the thing is, they're not... Yes and no, but they're just currently seeing if he's going to get the death penalty. That's what they're doing. They've already decided he's guilty. They're just trying to decide if they're going to put him to death or not. But I feel like with... But did you see his eyes? Oh, my God. He has no regret, semblance of anything. Mm-mm. He's not there. No. The elevator does not even run to the halfway point. Girl, it's not even connected. <laughs> out here on a boat (laughs) i bet they are trying to throw the i mean there's no way they're ever going to win this case no so i think it's i think they're setting the grounds for a mistrial in my opinion probably i mean mistrial is going to go the same exact way and they depending on what they decide i haven't heard any updates but they right now have a case for a mistrial with the judge snapping at the defense with the jury it's a mistrial right there now i gotta get a whole new juror set and now I just delayed it, what, three more years? Because the justice system takes four effing ever? I, I agree. I think it's a way for them to stall. Which, like, if that is what they do and they end up doing, like, props to his defense team for that. Like, it's thinking with your big brain. Because think about it. They can't realistically stay there that whole time. They're going to have to hand it off. Yeah. No, I think they did have some forethought because – one of the biggest reasons, I don't know if you watched the entire like thing about it, but one of the 
biggest reasons the judge gets so upset is because they stall, they stall, they end the, that, the day prior saying that they're going to continue the next day. Mm-hmm. At no point did they say that they were going to rest their case that early. So the um, prosecution didn't have witnesses lined up to start the next day. So the prosecution was not ready at all, which is completely on the prosecution's fault. Like, at least have, like, at some point, like, y'all got to have at least three to four ready to go. Yes and no, because you don't honestly want these people to take off their entire life. No, but, like, at a certain point, you do know, like, when they're getting to the end, because they have the list of the approved, like, witnesses that they bring up. They have people that come up there to talk. So the prosecution at some point knows we're getting to the end. And if the last five people are on the docket, granted, those five people can take all day. But I'm going to look at my first five people and be like, all right. I'm going to need you possibly this day, this day, this day. Yeah, get ready to be in court. Like, this is, they only have five more people left. I don't know. That was a really long tangent. But (laughs) tell us about Mr. Wells. So that is the end. He is currently, you know, at the time of this podcast, he does not have that final murder charge. So he's just sitting, sitting at six, I'm sorry, seven. He's sitting at seven convictions for murder and life sentences waiting on the eighth. And just put that man in the chair. I know we don't do the chair no more, but I know they still got it in Rayford. Crank it up. <laughs> That's where we sit, and I have a flag on it, like a Google alert, to let me know if anything happens. But I mean, I think we what we've been sitting on this case for about a, a month or so now, and I haven't gotten any updates. So we will update you if anything comes out about this. I definitely think he's going to be convicted of it. He is on video. <laughs> so, but at that point, that'll be what his eighth murder, his eighth life sentence. Like what? At what point do we realize that? I guess, like, every couple of years, I just don't want to be coming back on our podcast and being like, hey, update, remember him? He's back. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't feel like we should continually update because now we've taken a population of people who are already at a deficit, put them in prison, and now they have to fight for their life in prison Mm -hmm. because of this guy, this guy, the Mayport scaredy cat. Like, put him in the chair. (laughs) Crank it up. Turn it up to 10. Like, ah, what a waste of space. What a waste of space. I hope his son is doing well. I do too. So in 2003, he was four. So that means he was born in 1999. So that means he's two years younger than me. So he's 23 years old. Dang. I hope he moved away from here. I didn't even look, so I can give you no information. No, and I don't think he should be brought into this at all. Um, I just do hope he's doing well, especially because, like, he is just kind of, like, a random four-year-old whenever all this happens. And, unfortunately, his father is just... It's like Ted Bundy's daughter. Mm-hmm. Her father's Ted Bundy. It's not her fault. Her mom's a psychopath. And her dad's a psychopath. I hope. Maybe, like, two negatives make a positive. Like, math. Well, I've heard a lot about her. Um, I looked her up the other day. Is it because you have an obsession with Ted Bundy that I'm not have, ready to I address it? I don't have an obsession with Ted Bundy. <laughs> no, not she, ready to address she, I don't have an obsession with Ted Bundy. <laughs> I can't stand that man. No, she's doing um, like a, I'll, I'll show it to you. But basically like 
it's either she's researching serial killers or she's doing like the the backside of like because you gotta think that's her life she went and visited her dad in jail before he was you know electrocuted how bizarre how bizarre how bizarre how bizarre well thank you for listening we are so glad that you're subscribed. Please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts because that will help us be out there and more relevant to other true crime fanatics. So yep. we would greatly appreciate that. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sunshine and Shadows PC. Um, if you're not already following us, we don't have a Twitter, so don't ask about a Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we're millennials, but not that millennial. <laughs> <laughs> um, website coming soon. Um, so this is also going to be a double, double feature week. So this Friday, we're going to drop another one just to, um, and then after that, stay tuned. Are you really going to, going to tease the people? Are you going to tell them what you're doing? No. Tell them what you're doing. Stay tuned. Um, (gasps) maybe Friday's episode, I might tell you what to expect next Friday, (gasps) but this upcoming Friday will be another Duval case. But after that. Just have to pay attention to see what it's going to be. Good night.